Chapter 33, May 1997, age 42. While at Rikers Island, one of the few highlights for Robert was his phone conversations with his daughter. He had enjoyed visits from Lauren several times, but despite his pleadings, she refused to bring Brianna to the prison, not wanting to expose her to such a harsh environment. Brianna's fourth birthday was nearing, and a sobered-up, drug-free Robert was feeling the pain of separation from the child who owned a piece of his heart. He often thought about his daughter and how he would be a better daddy to her once he was free. As he walked down the corridor of cell block A to the bank of phone booths, he considered what type of gift a four-year-old girl would want, even though her birthday was still a couple of months away, and how he could get it to her just in case he wasn't out by then. As was any other day, the lines to the phones were long. Fights often broke out among inmates while waiting. Sometimes stabbings occurred. But since Robert was generous with his commissary goods to the Latin kings, his friend Six and some of his buddies always assured him a place at the front of the line without any confrontation. When his turn came, Robert walked up to one of the phones and dialed zero for the operator. After requesting to make a collect call to Lauren's phone number, he waited as three rings filled the space of time. Lauren finally answered and accepted the charges. As Robert and Lauren chatted for a few minutes, Robert could sense something was different. Considering her visits had become fewer and farther apart, Robert was concerned. I'm just tired and frustrated, that's all, she said. For the next few minutes, Lauren explained that her car had broken down and that was the reason she hadn't been there to see him. After they talked for a while, she said, Here, talk to your daddy. A few seconds of loud rustling ensued before he heard Brianna's munchkin-like voice. Hello? Hey, Brianna. Hi, Daddy. How are you doing? He asked, plugging his other ear with his finger. I'm okay. Where are you? Robert fidgeted. I'm somewhere far away. So, what's my little Brianna been up to? I just got out of the bath. Getting ready for bed? Yeah, but I'm not sleepy. The conversation went on about the day's adventures at the park and how she was excited about going to McDonald's tomorrow. Before long, her sentences became broken and Robert heard distress in her voice. Soon she was crying. What's wrong, baby? He asked, turning his back to the other inmates using the phones. He waited patiently as she sobbed for a moment without saying anything. Then she finally settled down enough to speak. My friend Ashley, at school, her daddy eats lunch with her every Tuesday, she sniffled. And Mallory's daddy's the soccer coach. And today, Kenneth, well, he's not my friend, she's, she said harshly. He said I didn't have a daddy, and I told him I did. And he said I didn't, so I hit him and I got in trouble. The crying started again. Reality was rushing toward Robert like a freight train but he could do nothing to change the course already directed by his selfishness and lack of concern for anyone but himself. He started breathing deeply, looking over his shoulder at the other inmates. Brianna, Daddy, why don't you come see me? The words were powerful enough to break through the cold steel that had encased his heart for many years and crush it. Brianna, I... I... His throat tightened as he tried to swallow a couple of times without success. Your daddy is... Realizing he was about to expose his emotions to the other inmates, 
He hung up the phone without giving Brianna words of comfort or saying goodbye. He ran back to his cell, thankful he didn't have to share it with another inmate, and dropped to his knees at the edge of his bed, completely broken. About a month prior to the heart-wrenching conversation with Brianna, he had started attending Mass, hoping to find favor with a God he really didn't know much about. It was at this time he started praying the rosary like he'd seen his mother do for years. Like many of his Latin friends, he'd kneel down on the side of his bed and pray with a rosary in hand every evening before going to bed. This time, as he knelt next to his bed, a few words formed in his head that didn't conform to the rote prayers he'd been taught in Catholic school. Nevertheless, he had to get them off his chest. With the image of his daughter in his mind, and her words still burning in his heart, Robert bowed his head while silent tears flowed down his cheeks. God, if you're real, then change me, or have someone kill me, because I can't stay like this, and I'm not man enough to kill myself. These were challenging words, but Robert didn't care. At that moment, he realized the path he had chosen was one that ended with an eternal incarceration in a place much worse than any he'd ever experienced on earth, and that scared him. He also knew that God was the one who would be the final judge of that decision. The second option was never really an option in his mind, but a statement that expressed the gravity of his despair. His plea was simple but powerful words and had an immediate effect on him. The brokenness that had sent him running to his cell and falling to his knees in desperation was dissipating, and a tiny seed of hope was planted where his heart lay crushed. For the next hour, Robert prayed several times in his jail cell. As he did so, he recalled a recent conversation with Angelo. When he realized the mob wasn't going to do anything to help him, Robert began calling his friends looking for financial assistance. After several failed attempts, he called Angelo. Angelo, who was listening to Robert complain about the lack of help he had with his case, suggested he read the Bible. At the time, Robert thought the remark was simply another person's attempt to brush him off. But now, the desire to have more of God in his life led to a desire to read the Bible. He was already an avid reader, spending much of his time in his cell reading Robert Ludlum's Tales of Espionage and Stephen King's horror stories. Starting out with about 15 minutes or so, he began reading a Bible offered to inmates by a group of Christians who ministered regularly at Rikers Island. It was then he learned that the Bible was actually a collection of books and was advised to first read the books of John and Proverbs. The more he read the Bible, the more he learned about the God he had asked to change his life, which he figured was the option God chose since he was still alive. Slowly, his time reading the Bible increased as he became disinterested in the espionage novels. Before long, the Bible was the only book in his cell.